Well, we've been on a journey together. We're going through Philippians, and, uh, and I'm pretty excited. I get to take you through uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30. Yeah! So this is part four, and we're going to jump right in. Um, so here we go. I want to, first of all, just read these scriptures, and then we're going to talk about them. So here we go. Philippians 2. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests and not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. And therefore, I hope to send him immediately, as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I myself will also be coming shortly. But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need, because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick to the point of death, but... God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. And therefore, I have sent him all the more eagerly, so that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less concerned about you. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. That is the word of the Lord. Amen. So, the first thing I want you to see is verse 20. Well, in this, in this beginning part, 19 and 20, is that Timothy is there investing in Paul. The reason why Paul knows a whole bunch of stuff about Timothy and is commending Timothy is because Paul is with Timothy. And Timothy has not left Paul's side. This is a bad and hard time in Paul's ministry. How many of you guys know that when somebody goes to prison, it kind of freaks us out a little bit emotionally, right? Because the truth is they either went to prison because they're guilty and we think, I don't know if I really want to be known as the one that was hanging out with you because you're guilty of bad stuff and people might find out I'm your friend and then think I'm doing bad stuff. So that's the negative thing. That's not the case with Paul. He's in prison because he's preaching the gospel. But at the same time, I would dare say that there's an interesting that happens when people go to prison because they're innocent. (laughs) And that is all of us that are innocent, whether you realize it or not, I think subconsciously we kind of think, that does not bode well for me because I also am innocent, and that means there's a chance I might go to prison. So I would prefer to think, perhaps, maybe Paul did something naughty, and so that's why he's in prison. Because if he didn't, then we innocent people have a little bit of reason to worry. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's a little bit of of a fear that can come upon us, and so either way... There's a temptation, whether somebody did good or evil, and in Paul's case did good, to distance yourself from somebody when they're going through something like going to prison. Does that make sense? And that very thing was happening to Paul. Paul's locked in prison. His ministry is not exactly going off the charts, all right? People aren't just sending money to Paul. In fact, we know that Paul had said earlier that the Philippians were the only ones that were sharing with him in the ministry at this point. And he, and he goes on, he's, he's, he's going through a rough time. People are separating themselves from Paul, but you know who's not separating themselves? Timothy. Timothy and Epaphroditus and the Philippians. And so Paul is sending this letter, and, and he's saying, I want, to, I, want you, I want to send to you Timothy. So verse 20, he's, 
He's stayed there and he's with Paul. And Paul is now commending Timothy to the Philippians. He's saying, I want you to, I want you to receive Timothy. I want you to receive him because he is a kindred spirit. Verse 20, for I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven worth. That he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. And therefore I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. So, so he's saying, first of all, let me commend to you, Timothy. First of all, I trust him, and he's a kindred spirit. How do I know? Because he's with me right now. He's still with me in the hardest of things. And then he says this. Now, let me tell you why I commend Paul to you. I commend Paul to you because he genuinely cares about your welfare, Philippians. He genuinely cares about how it goes with you. He's not like... What, what, was the, what was the converse thing? All others seek their own interests. But Timothy, he's seeking yours. He's seeking yours. And he says it in an interesting way. He says he is seeking the interest of Christ. But for Paul, he's saying that seeking the interests of Christ is the same thing as genuinely caring about the Philippians' welfare. Are you seeing how he puts that together? You see, Paul is saying... That to seek the interests of Christ instead of just seeking your own interests is to seek the interests of the body of Christ. Who's the body of Christ? We are. In this case, the Philippians are. There are those, Christ came to redeem who? Us. And so when we care one for another the way that Timothy is doing this, then we're seeking the interests of Christ. So Paul's commending Timothy. He's saying, you guys, I want you to receive Timothy. I want you to understand that Timothy is looking out for you. And let me tell you how he's doing it. Let me tell you why I trust him. Let me tell you why you should trust him. Because he is kindred. Beloved, he's just like me. That's what Paul's saying. Timothy is carrying the same spirit that you see in me, the same spirit of Christ. Well, that's in Timothy. So he uses the example of Timothy. What has he done? He's seeking your interests, not his own interests. He's seeking the interests of Christ. Are you with me? Now, it's interesting, too, in the previous verse, which I didn't put up there for you, but I'm going to read it to you. In verses 17 and 18, Paul is sharing with the Philippians, listen, I may not see you again. He's saying, I trust the Lord will probably bring me back and I'll get to see you again, but I'm not sure if I will. I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. You guys remember this a couple weeks ago when I preached on this, that this is, a, this, is a, this is a message from a father to his children. The Philippians are like his children. They're, they're his children in Christ. And he's saying, I don't know if I'm going to make it back to you. And in, and in verse 17 and 18, he says this, but even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and sh I'm sorry, uh, upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. And you too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. In other words, Paul's saying, listen, Christ is being formed in you. You guys have come out of darkness into the light. You guys are, you guys are saved and set free, and you're living kingdom lifestyle now. You're growing in Christ. And you know what? If this is the end of my journey on this earth, and I'm being poured out as a sacrifice on the service of your faith, then I rejoice in that. 
then I'm excited that that's how God wants to spend me. If that's the end of my journey, guys, then I rejoice because you're worth it, baby. You're worth it. I'm, I'm proud of the work that's done in you. And if that's how God spent me, is that you're established and I get to go home, then rejoice in that. Rejoice in that. Okay, so that's the spirit of this. He's saying, I might go home, and I want you to have great joy if your faith is the outcome of my ministry and my life. If you continue on, that makes me happy, and I want you guys to feel that same way. And so then he says, so if that happens, because that was 17 and 18, now we're going through verses 19 through 30. He's continuing. If that happens, there's a couple things I want you to do. I want you to examine then. I want you to examine Timothy and Epaphroditus, as we just read. He says, I want you to look at these guys' lives, and I want you to receive them. I want you to hold such people in high regard. I want you to allow them to come and serve in the same way that I've served. Because there's some things I'm seeing in these men that I want you all to emulate and accept. Amen? And so he's sending them back. So, so what is it that's in these guys? What, what's going on here? Well, let me, uh, let, me, let me go ahead and read this next scripture here. He, he continues, so here's Timothy, he genuinely cares about you, not his own interests like everybody else is doing. Beloved, have you noticed <laughs> that in the world, everybody cares about their own interests? Right? It's perfectly natural to care about your own interests. It's supernatural to care about the interests of Christ. It's perfect. How many times do you hear that, right? It's like, you know what, I just need some me time right now. I just really need to look out for me. Like, I want to help with that, but I just really need to think about me. And, and, and the world shakes its head and goes, mm, that's good. Yeah, you do that, and, and I'm going to do that for me. Thank you for reminding me to also think about me. Mm. <sighs> I needed that. Okay, that's natural. That's perfectly natural. And if you're in the world, then you should think like that because you're in the world. But if you're in Christ, something changes and you're born again, and you stop thinking about me. I'll tell you something that's amazing, beloved. Thinking about you is exhausting, and it is endless. No, I'm serious, because here's the thing. You become a slave to whomever you serve, and that means that if you and I are only thinking about me all the time, I gotta think about me, that is an endless, insatiable vortex of need that you can never actually meet. And you will never let you be happy. I will never be enough for me. And what's incredible is that when we begin, when we're born again and we're pulled into this kingdom that Paul's talking about, as he's sharing with the Philippians, when we're pulled in, we actually, thank you, Jesus, get the freedom to stop thinking about me. And it is life from death. Right? There's an African proverb, and it says uh, that there's only one bowl that can never be filled, and that is the appetite of the flesh. You can never fill that bowl because there's always more. There's always one more thing. I just want chocolate ice cream. I just want vanilla ice cream. I just want gold. I just want more gold, <laughs> right? It can never be filled. Praise be to God that as we've been pulled into the kingdom, now we can actually stop looking to our own interests. We're freed to look to the interests of Christ. Now, why is that good news? Because then Christ is looking to our interests. 
You are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And he is caring for us. So we're actually set free from making it all about us. And we get to start looking to the interests of of Christ. And Paul is commending the Philippians. Look at Timothy. He's doing that. He's not just looking to his own interests. He's looking to the interests of Christ. And you're the recipient of his love and his genuine care for your welfare. Why? Because Jesus genuinely cares for your welfare. Isn't that beautiful? It's so beautiful. Beloved, think about that great scripture that God works in the midst of all things for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purposes. That's everyone who's in Christ. Every single thing that happens in this world, whether God wanted it to happen or not, he will turn it and work it to your good because you are called according to his purpose in Christ Jesus. That is an amazing promise that makes this possible, what Paul's saying to the Philippians. Suddenly now, you and I, no matter what goes on, we can go, well, this is the worst hand that life has ever dealt me yet. Come on. Maybe some of you, you don't have to raise your hand, are in the middle of just being dealt one of the worst hands you've ever gotten so far in your life. And because of these promises we can actually say, Lord, it's going to be interesting to see how you work this to my good. You didn't make it happen, okay? Things happen. But he promises to work it to our good. And so what that does is it sets us free, just as Paul's saying, it sets us free to be able to look to the interests of Christ, knowing that Christ is looking out for us no matter what. Amen? As Graham Cook likes to say, that means when you start getting a problem, you can get excited. Because you're like, oh, that's a problem. I wonder what God's going to do. He's going to work this out. I went Australian a little there. Anyway, the point is, you can start rejoicing when things happen because you go, you know what? I don't know how to fix this. But I know God promises he'll actually turn this into good. And this thing's so nasty right now. There's got to be a big payoff. Amen? All right, so there's a freedom now. He's saying, Timothy is not seeking his own interests. He's seeking the interests of Christ, which means you. And then he goes on to Epaphroditus. I thought it necessary to send to you, Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need, because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you you had heard that he was sick, and for indeed he was sick to the point of death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but, on, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. And therefore, I have sent him all the more eagerly, so that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less concerned about you. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard. I love that. Hold people like Timothy and Epaphroditus in high regard regard. In other words, if you're looking for what some heroes look like in Christ, it looks like these two dudes. I want you to trust these guys because, like he says about Timothy, his character has been proven. You look at him, you look at Timothy, and you have someone who genuinely cares about your needs and cares about the interest of Christ, and his character has been proven. You've seen it again and again. You can count on Timothy. 
And Epaphroditus, he cared so much about the interests of Christ that he literally almost died serving Christ by serving me. And you see this, that Paul's saying again and again. Now, now catch this. Last week, what did we talk about? We talked about this. Have in yourselves then the same attitude that Christ had, who though he was like God, did not consider, it, consider being at God's status as something that, would, that you should hold on to and guard, but rather showing what God is like, became a servant and served all of you, right? This is that same letter. So he's saying now, That's what it's like to be Christ-like. And he goes, here's a couple of examples of a couple of dudes right now, a couple of saints right now, a couple of heroes right now, a couple of sons right now who are being like Christ. Are you seeing that? Now, here's what's interesting. He's saying, I'm encouraging you to hold such people in high regard. Beloved, we live right now in an era where we are very suspect of having any heroes. Think about it for a minute. We are very suspect of having any heroes. We, we live right now, you and I, we live in, in Western society right now, and, and we're reaping, um, and, and, and in many places for good reason, uh, we've been let down, we've been, we've been bummed out, we've been disappointed by people who were to be heroes. They were to be in places of authority, and they really let us down. And so what we decided was, you know what? Question authority. And we're living now, we've caught like this whole thing of like question authority as our sort of main premise. That's not yours, you've inherited what that's like. But that was a mantra that was spoken again and again and again during the 60s because of, well, many things, I'm not going to go into this, but we ended up now, we've reaped, we're in a society where we've essentially questioned authority And now here we are, we don't have any heroes. We don't have people that we hold in high regard. We have an interesting distrust of authority and a lack of heroes that is masquerading as humility and transparency. Let me me tell you what I mean by that. We have a mindset that we shouldn't really hold anybody in high regard because we're all just sinners saved by grace, man. Because we all make mistakes. Because we all fail and, and, we, and we all are just broken people trying to figure it out. We're just trying to fail forward together. Now those things are all true. Those things are all true on some regard. But they're where you start, not where you are. We started out as sinners and then we got saved by grace, but now we're saints. And though we may occasionally sin, it doesn't mean that every time we sin, well, we're just sinners saved by grace. No, you're a saint and you sinned. And with him, there's forgiveness. So you get back up and you clean up your mess and you start right over again. Why? Because you're a saint. If you're just a sinner saved by grace, you don't clean up your mess. You just misunderstand all reality anyway. I don't want to get off my point. Are you with me? Okay, so what's happened? Here we are today, trying to live kingdom life. But we don't have heroes. And so we end up with an interesting mindset. And I believe that Paul, speaking to the Philippians, has a message for us, Philippians. Okay, so let's, let's be Philippians here, all right? He has a message for us. You see, we're trying to be Christ-like. Christ, in this, at this time of this writing is at the right hand of God, just like he is right now, okay? 
And he is there. We know that the father said, son, come up here and sit at my right hand while I make your enemies your footstool. So he's, Christ is there in victory looking at the glory of what he did. And we are the ones that are making Christ's enemies his footstool. And I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about principalities and powers. So this is what's, what's going on. So how many of you have walked around with Christ Jesus in his body? Yeah, none of you. None of you. It's not a trick question. We haven't. We haven't seen him. We don't have a person. I mean, I'm looking at Fuji. That's a good-looking man right there. Looks like the glory of God, right? I'm encouraged when I see Fuji. Okay? He is flesh and blood. When Fuji encourages me, I hear him. I feel his embrace. And I go, man, you are encouraging me to be more like Christ. Because Fuji is here in his flesh and blood body. And if this one's great... Can't you wait for that new one, right? That's going to be even better, right? I'm looking for, the more gravity has its way with me, the more I'm looking forward to that new body, all right? So the point is, though, I can't look at Jesus the way that I can look at Fuji. Are you with me? Everybody look at Fuji. He loves it. I'm just kidding. (laughs) What's the point? The point is that if we don't have people that we hold in high regard, then we rob ourselves of the mutual benefit and blessing to be spurred on to be Christ-like. Because Christ, only Christ, as your only hero, I dare say, ends up being much less of a hero than you may think. Because it's a lot easier to be like, well, I mean, I want to be like Christ. But he's a long ways away. So, so it gets real easy then to sort of rationalize what that might look like in real time. Are you with me? And, and what Paul is saying is he's saying, listen, you guys want to know what Christ's like? Well, let me tell you. And he tells us in the, in the letter of the Philippians, right? Take on the same attitude as Christ. And he goes, but here's a couple of examples of what that looks like in real time since Christ is at the right hand of God. Here's a couple of examples in case you just decide, like, you know, I just give up. Like, I mean, I want to be like Christ in my heart. In my heart, I want to be like, in my heart. In my heart, I want to be like Christ. But in the meantime, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No! Paul's leaving no room with the Philippians for that. He says, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Hold men like these, people like these in high regard. Here's what it looks like to act like Christ on earth. Look at Timothy. Proven character caring about the interests of Christ, which equals caring about you and genuinely caring about your welfare. That's what it looks like to be like Christ. That guy's a, that guy, hold that person in high regard. That's a hero worth emulating. Are you with me? You see that? Look at Epaphroditus. Now that's what it's like to take on the attitude of Christ and to do exactly what Christ is doing now. You look at Christ, what, is, what are we doing? What does it look like when Epaphroditus does it? He takes a long journey and he, he brings me, little old Paul, who is not popular right now, locked in prison, needing provision. And Epaphroditus is like, you know what, send me. And they're like, I don't know, Epaphroditus, there's, there's a lot going on on that long journey. You might get robbed, you might get the botch, you might get the itch. He didn't get robbed, but he almost died because of how sick that he was. Are you with me? And Paul says, hold men like these in high regard. If 
if God takes me, and by the way, catch this, guys, Paul was never ashamed in his other letters to say, follow me, emulate me as I emulate Christ. Do what I'm doing. You see, we got to have people in our lives that say, hey, do what I'm doing. Otherwise, what happens is we just, we just dumb the whole thing down, and we, we don't, it's like you're looking around, and you're like, I don't have any heroes here. I mean, you know, Jesus, of course, of course, Jesus is my hero. Well, what does that look like? I don't know, hanging on a cross or something, uh, loving people. I love people distantly, from a distance. But when Epaphroditus shows up, you're like, oh, I have to care genuinely about your welfare. Yee, that's a little different. I'm going to stick with Christ as my hero. You see that? See how it gets real? And he's saying, Philippians, I might be going to the Lord. Hold these kinds of men. Hold these kinds of people in high regard because I want you to emulate the same thing. You see that? See, we got to have heroes, guys. we got to have people that we can look up to and go, Ah, oh, I see how Christ is working in you. Are you with me, Philippians? Is that speaking to you? How many of us, and here's the second part, if we're not allowed to have heroes anymore, we're not allowed to be heroes anymore. Man, I really admire, I, Joshua, I really admire um, your faithfulness. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't, no, no, no. Oh, you just admire Jesus. Just, it's just... It's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. My favorite answer to that, right, when you try to give somebody a compliment, like, man, when you worship, it just inspires me. Oh, it's just all Jesus. I'm like, whoa, it wasn't that good. I mean, <laughs> hold the phone. Like, I, I feel like if it was all Jesus, it'd be a little better than that. I mean, so don't false humility me. I'll go straight for the jugular. But the point is, true humility, true humility would be to say, Thank you. Thank you, because I really do endeavor to worship him with all of my heart. And man, when we get to come together and do that, it's beautiful, isn't it? You know, and then you just high five. Like, let's just keep being like Jesus. Amen? You see, here's the interesting thing. I want you to catch this. The Philippians letter is carried by Epaphroditus to the Philippians. And eventually, Timothy follows that letter. Okay? Get the, get, are you getting the picture here? Paul is bragging about Timothy and Epaphroditus in front of Timothy and Epaphroditus. You and I need to be bragging about each other. Jeremiah says it's okay to brag. It says, he who boasts, boast in this, that he knows and understands me, says the Lord. When we're living like Christ, we get to boast in each other. Do you hear me boasting on my awesome brother Fuji? And he's got a lot more than looks. This man loves the Lord. Are you with me? This man loves the Lord. If you want to be encouraged by someone who loves the Lord, have Fuji pray for you. Spend some time with him. Don't even get me started on his wife. Are you with me? These guys are people. I want you to emulate these guys. I want you to emulate these guys. Are you with me? Do you want to learn about taking your, your, your business and, and pulling it in and saying, Lord, how much kingdom can I show through my business? Come hang out with Sarah and Brian Slater. I want you to emulate these guys. You want to you talk about real time, figuring out how to listen to Jesus in your business, not just throw a Jesus fish on your window so you can market, you know, whatever that is. Forgive me if you have a Jesus fish. You probably have good <laughs> motives. But I'm just saying most times, stop it, Josh, focus. Okay, are you with me? 
It's a real business based on Jesus and his kingdom. And if you want to learn about that in real time, I, I, I commend them to you and many others in here. Now, what does this mean? We need to hear each other encouraging and exhorting one another to say, hold this person in high regard because they are emulating Christ. And guys, that criteria is very objective. That they were willing to lay their life down in the interests of Christ, which is to serve the body of Christ so that the body of Christ will be beautiful and cared for. You see, we preach the gospel to the world. I want you to catch this. We preach the gospel to the world in word and deed. But we serve and love one another as an example of what the kingdom looks like. You see, our first love is one for another. You are actually supposed to prefer each other because you're the body of Christ. Now, we love the lost, and we want to see them saved. So that's why we serve and we preach. But we look out for each other's interests because we're the example. When people see how we love each other, we're the example of what the kingdom is like. And so, we, so then we can say things like, man, you want to be, let me tell you another one of my heroes. I'll tell you, I'll tell you who to hold in high regard. Red Crab. Red and Levita Crab, two of the most secretly generous people ever, this man will not take an offense. And I've done offensive things to him, just to check. <laughs> not on purpose. But he's absolutely, you want to figure out, like, some people can teach on not taking offense. Go be with somebody who actually doesn't do it. Hold this person in high regard. Here's what happens. Number one, you need to talk about people that are doing what God called them to do and say, man, let me, let me brag on this person. And brag to their face. Grab, do what I'm doing. Grab one person and go, you need to know this person. Do you know what this person carries? Do you know what's in this person? Do you know what kind of proven characters in this person? Be like this person. They're fantastic. And so that person's like, that's right. Because half the time we're having a bad day. <laughs> like, I don't know. I can't even remember what I'm doing. And then all of a sudden somebody comes up and goes, I'll tell you what you're doing. And then you remember. And what happens? You remember to hold those Christ-like things in you in high regard. And then what do you do? Those very things. You see, God is telling the Philippians, this is how you move forward. Is this resonating with you guys? Are you guys receiving this? Let's pray. Father, we recognize that we need each other. Lord, we recognize that we need to see Christ-likeness lived out in our own lives and in the lives of our fellow brothers and sisters. Father, I ask in every place in our lives where we've where we've, through pain or through disappointment, laid down the very idea that we could look up to people, that we could hold certain people in high regard. Lord, we repent of that, of that lie, that, that that's too dangerous. We just repent of that. And we ask, God, that you would begin to give us the ministry of encouragement and righteousness, Lord, to both hold in high regard such people 
and in so doing to become the kind of people that others can also hold in high regard. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The prayer servant team is coming forward. If you need prayer or encouragement, please receive it today. It's such a powerful ministry. If you need healing in your body, then uh, please receive prayer. God bless you guys.